Well, cheers. <laughs> Welcome to the Bathroom Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rab himself, and today my guest is London May, actor, musician, and uh Goth king, really? <laughs> Thanks, Goth prince. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Goth prince. <laughs> Wait, who's the king? <laughs> uh, I think we know who the king is. Okay. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, welcome to the bathroom break podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, Thanks for coming over. Yeah. To my, to my lair. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Let, letting us in your world here. <laughs> I love. There's just uh, there's dead heads on. <laughs> on spears and well, I just want to create the goblets. right intimidating environment so yeah. you know what you're up against <laughs> yeah. those were the, those were the last guys who interviewed me <laughs> yeah I was definitely intimidated when uh, when the door opened and smoke billows out <laughs> but more intimidated dragon's breath yeah <laughs> more intimidated by the uh what's the character's name in in your uh, movie brutal realty the summoner yeah the summoner oh the man summoner ah <laughs> dude that was amazing i uh thanks I, man i got to watch it the other night and uh and dude it was it was it was like gory but hilarious and there was like so many so many kind of emotions and things happening throughout the whole time of watching it and there was times where i was literally wiping tears away from laughing so hard really and well that's great <laughs> yeah. it's uh that's kind of like what we aimed for it's it works on a lot of different levels yeah so so how did you get it like into acting because i know like you, you like I, I kind of learned a little bit about you in terms of like that was what started your path in creativity was acting and then went into music and then and then acting and it was like simultaneously doing both i think so yeah how did, that, how did that happen the um i wasn't uh i wasn't the most well-behaved kid yeah. growing up <laughs> and i think my parents were desperate to find something for me to channel that energy and that creativity in and they knew that I was like obsessed with with the 1977 King Kong movie oh, with yeah, Jeff yeah. Bridges and I just mm -hmm. talked about Jeff Bridges all the time and they're like well he's an actor you know he does he's not really an adventurer and you know yeah he doesn't really go to Skull Island but you know he's an actor and he pretends that he does that and I was like oh that's pretty cool oh so you thought that he just went there you I mean like, I knew yeah. it was an actor and, and when I when I think they thought that I was obsessed with him as an actor, whereas I was more obsessed with him as an adventurer and yeah. explorer and, a, you know, the excitement of that. Yeah. But I thought um, that it would be, I, I'd be closer to that goal of going to Skull Island if I maybe became an actor. And they tried to hook me up with a theater group um, in Baltimore and one of them, uh, I think I met with them and it didn't quite work out and I auditioned for the uh, the Baltimore School for the Arts oh, and yeah, that didn't yeah. work out and then I eventually ended up uh, working with a woman named Deary Berger who was kind of the, the 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 mother of children's theater in Baltimore. She wrote a couple books and had a, a theater company and I was in that for a while and that was my first um, experience getting on stage in front of people. Oh wow. H how old were you then? I was maybe... Uh, 12. Okay, yeah. About 12 years old. Yeah, cool. So I didn't start, you know, right out of the, the cradle. But that kind of got me, you know, in that zone of, of performing. Yeah. You know, and not being... Sh I mean, I'm shy in general, but once I hit the stage, I realize that I have a responsibility that I have to actually... Um, 
I have to put a lot out. Yeah. You know, I can be reserved in, in person, but on stage, um, I got to be more outgoing and awesome. that kind of helped to channel some of that energy. And then I got into music and then, you know, yeah. that was all she wrote for about 30 years. Yeah. 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 For real. Okay. So, so you sort of put acting on the back shelf once music really took over or you were kind of doing both? No, it, it was like, I mean, I was in high school. I yeah. was promoting shows. I was, I had a job at Taco Bell. I was playing in a band and <laughs> being, you know, we would go out of town on the weekends. You know, I was in 10th yeah. grade. Oh shit, and so you we were like kind of touring. Yeah, oh, damn. yeah. Okay. And there just, there just wasn't enough time for it. Yeah. You know, and... I got the same satisfaction out of being in a band as I did um, being an actor. But when I came into being in a band, like the acting thing had had really kind of prepped me for being on stage. And when you're in a high school band, you've got a lot of people who have never been on stage before. Right. And so I was always the guy in the background trying to get the people in the foreground to really put on a show because that's kind of what we did in the theater. Yeah. And so there was always a little bit of, um, you know, a, a little bit of a battle right there because I was just, you know, at 14, I was ready to get there, get out there and like, play these shows and like really perform yeah and some of the guys that i played in bands with were pretty shy right especially at that age yeah at that age exactly you're like i got a pimple i don't want to you know but um but so so drumming it was was the first thing you did or did you pick up a guitar like how did you get into the music well i actually did pick up a guitar first okay because that was what i saw you know, there was more features in like magazines about guitar players and yeah. there were drummers. I mean, for every um, interview with with every 50 interviews with Pete Townsend, there'd be, you know, a little mention or a little article about Keith Moon, even right. though, you know, he was well known. Um, and so I tried the guitar first and it was one of those things where I saw the guitar at the shop that rented instruments, and I said, I'll take that guitar, because that's the guitar that that Pete Townsend plays. Yeah. This uh, uh, Sunburst Les Paul, and it was a copy, of course. It was, you know, probably yeah, right. Jones brand or something. <laughs> and yeah. um, Hey, Mom, I want that $5,000 guitar. Well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we'll start over here on the in the 99 cents section, yeah, you know. Yeah, I got yeah, the kid's yeah. menu guitar. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I saw him sliding across the stage, and the kids are all right. You know, yeah, in the yeah, end, yeah, it won't yeah, get fooled yeah. again. And I was like, I'm going to be a guitar player. And I'm going to play yeah. that guitar. And I'm going to be Pete Townsend, be windmilling all night. <laughs> and my hands are going to bleed because I had this picture on my wall of him holding his guitar with his hands bleeding. Oh, and I just thought yeah. that that was so awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I did not know how to tune a guitar. I didn't. I think they gave me a book with it, you know, like an ancient dusty chord book. Yeah. You know, at the music store. <laughs> And yeah, with cobwebs on it, you know, it was probably written, um, you know, a hundred years ago and it just didn't make sense for me. So I had the guitar for a summer and then we ended up giving the guitar back because I just couldn't get it to sound right. And I would look at pictures and I would try to mimic the chords. Yeah. And 
But here's the thing is, if your guitar's not in tune, it doesn't matter where your fingers are. Right. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize that. There were so many things that I was not, and I didn't go to a teacher. I didn't, you know, I was punk rock before punk rock. I didn't need a teacher. Yeah. I yeah, just yeah. needed, you know, this Rolling Stone magazine, this Trouser Press magazine, and these album covers to look at, and yeah. that's all I need is to be a guitar player. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. So then after you gave that back, then you decided to start trying drums? Is that... Yeah, my... My sister had, it was, I think it was, uh, it was eighth grade and we had just started school that year and my sister came home one day with a flute and she's like, I'm going to be in the school band. And she was my younger sister. So it was a lot of competition. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're going to be in the band, (laughs) you know, let me see, let me see if I can even the, the score with this. And so I, the next day I went and applied to play drums in the school band. Yeah. And I came home and I thought I'm going to get a drum set and instead I came home with a f- fucking rubber practice pad and a pair of like sticks that were that were like chopsticks <laughs> yeah. and, a, and another ancient book. Yeah, not rock and roll. Not rock and roll. <laughs> and I had a little snare drum and this little rubber pad and these little sticks little and it was just like boy one, two, one, two, one, two, one. And, but that was the seed, you know, that was the seed. So I thank my sister for like somehow inspiring this yeah. competition that got me to pick up drums just out of spite. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, I always thought about playing the drums. It was just a thing that was available. And then it did sort of have a natural thing about it, even yeah. though I was just on a little rubber pad. But I knew very early on, maybe within the first couple lessons that they had at school, that I like this, but I didn't like it like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I but like what I'm tasting. Yeah, I like what guitar, I'm tasting, yeah. but I don't like it prepared this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, man. I uh, I have never been able to keep a beat on the drums ever. Like I'll strum a guitar a little bit and play a little bit like that, but as soon as I start to try to play a drum. Like my foot always wants to go with the hand, you know, like, how, well, and so <laughs> I'm glad it's not easy for you because it's not easy for me. And I start, I mean, I could, you know, it's a challenge for me every time I pick up the sticks. Dude, you'll I mean, have to uh, give me a little lesson. Yeah, I think I, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. You know, I'm also, you know, a pretty impatient teacher. So hopefully I don't, okay, well, I don't I'll get scream at you. Yeah. At. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> the summoner you know? will come out and, yes. and, uh, and rip my head off. But uh, no, I think that would be fun, man. That would be cool. Yeah, let's so, do it. Check out youtube.com backslash rab himself videos to watch London May give me a drum lesson. And thanks for listening to the Bathroom Break podcast. So then when you're playing drums and, uh, you know, did you start, you started forming bands aside from the school band stuff? Yeah. You know, we, we might've done a couple school concerts, you know, maybe one at the end of the year and it really was, um, you know, I don't even remember the song that we did, but it was something that there was, you know, a couple stanzas and then some kid went with the cymbals and that was it. Yeah. But I think at that point I had you know, begged my parents to like help me start getting a drum set. And they were kind of in this idea that we're not going to buy you a whole drum set because that's a big investment. Yeah. So we'll see if you're really uh, serious about this. So they would buy me one piece at a time of oh, a drum yeah, set. Okay. So I think sense. I had a snare drum and then I got a, a, 
a bass drum. Yeah. And so, and until I could show a little bit of proficiency at those two, then I would get like a little rack tom and a little cymbal and it it built from there. Um, but every piece of the drum set was different, was from like another drum set. <laughs> That's awesome. And so it was yeah. really a, uh, uh, a you know, like a hodgepodge. pretty hodgepodge <laughs> setup. Yeah, it was like a, a, a mosaic drum set. Yeah. And I think I had started going to shows. I mean, it happened very quickly. I mean, by 1981, I mean, this is maybe, maybe a year later. Yeah. Maybe a year later, I was playing with some of the guys from my high school and they would come over and they were guys from like one guy was from like the jazz band and there was a couple guys who were like like pretty decent yeah and they were like yeah let's go over to the punk kid's house and play some let's jam out with him and they came once and they never came back (laughs) and so i realized like they were so far out of my league you know, I'm oh, sure they, I'm sure okay, they were yeah. reading like sheet music and stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know, yeah, bam, 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 bam. You know, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I, now I want to be Keith Moon instead of yeah, it, yeah. it. It transferred from Pete Townsend to Keith Moon. Yeah. And I said they came once and never came back. But there was a couple punk kids who would come over and they would happily just hang out. make noise and hang out. And it was like, oh, okay, this is my tribe, you know? Yeah. I mean, my very, very, very first band was just me playing drums and this singer kid. And it was just a two-piece band with drums and vocals. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, drums and vocals. That's punk as hell. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we didn't have anybody else, and so he would sing, and I would play drums. God, I wish I had those tapes. That was <laughs> that was really wild. It was yeah. very avant-garde. Um, and then uh, there was this kind of local band in town called Trud, which okay. everybody had talked about. I think yeah. they had played like one show. Yeah. And... Oh no, who did I play with before that? I played in this band called Rat Patrol who actually went I mean, a year into playing drums, I was in the studio. Damn. With a band. Yeah. Recording a a 7-inch. Wow. That's pretty that's pretty and, cool. and it, yeah. you can tell. I mean, you can yeah. tell. It's like the the yeah. I, I released one of the songs on a record that a compilation record that I did a couple years ago. And as much as it's fun and it's cute, it really starts the record off with a Oh, it's a, it sounds, it doesn't sound great, you know, and if people are going, wow, this is, I mean, maybe it's an inspiration because you go, wow, that's where he started, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. he's come a long way from there. I think that is huge when that happens, like, because I think people do feel like, oh, he was just naturally talented forever and it just immediately clicked for him. So I should give it up. You know, but I think when people can see the evolution of, of what happens throughout your drumming or someone else's guitar playing or, you know, someone else's acting or whatever it is, like that evolution is inspiring because you go, damn, okay, shit, this person that I looked way up to started there and then they got here. Yeah, well, you, you thanks know? for saying that because yeah. the record the record did not sell very well, and I always <laughs> yeah. attributed it to like I should not have put that on the record. Yeah, because you know, I mean, it was a real, um, it really challenged my ego to say this is not great. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's it's uh, it is part of my history. Right, but good or good, good or bad. Like I, I feel like well, that's thanks, so thanks good, for though. giving me that that you know, you, encouragement because I really <laughs> look back and go, boy, that's a cr- terrible way to start a record. <laughs> but the thing is, like, because then I think that's really good for 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 an artist 
personally too because it's humbling in some ways Absolutely. so then the ego doesn't run off immediately so then you're like humbled by that and having to learn from that and then you get better from that i think that if you like you know if if you didn't have that then it's like then if everything is always good like that then what is to to make you feel like you need to push yourself then oh. you, then you, you get kind of stuck maybe you get complacent and you don't go further yeah that next level where where you can have that reminder like i know for me like if i could relate this and i and not to make it lame but i could relate this to my sobriety like when i first got sober like i was such a mess you know and was afraid to even do it and then when i look back now you go if i never put myself in that uncomfortable position to try it somebody else's way and to do something like that i would never get to the life that i'm at now and i have and i have a great life as a result of that but in the beginning, I was too afraid and I would push it off and never want to go do it, never want to try because it, it was like, eh, like, you know, whatever. And I'm a mess. And then just, I think, putting yourself out there and being vulnerable to that, whether it be in art or just self-discovery or growth like that, I feel like that's huge, you know, to, to be willing to do that. And, well, and, and thanks. That. And, and, you know, I think about it, um, that the songs that I chose for this this compilation, this kind of like, I don't know, uh, maybe not a greatest hits compilation, but on an, in an, an anthology was that I really had to get other people's opinions on stuff because what I thought were great drumming songs that showed off my drumming were not actually the best songs that I oh, had yeah. done in those bands. And so instead of trying to mm. showcase, you know, oh, this is a great little bit that I did here, they're like, that's not the best song. You know, if right. you want to like present that band that you played with and you've got X amount of songs, you should put the best song, not the best drumming. Wow. And I just realized like gulp, yeah. you know, like some <laughs> of these songs, uh, they're, they're, they don't deserve the shitty drumming that I gave them, but I didn't know any better, you know, and the yeah. songs that I really thought I was ripping you know, were not the ones that people remembered. And so I put the songs on there that people thought were the best songs yeah. instead of the songs that showcased me as a drummer. So you're saying that you, you're saying- You never maybe, know, I'm not a good yeah. critic. You know, I want stuff that yeah. shows me off yeah, in the yeah. best light. And whereas it's a collaborative effort. Absolutely. You know? and, and sometimes less is more on Absolutely. those songs. And then that you're actually playing to the song and it's not highlighting you, but it is, it's the it song. is serving the song. It serves the song, exactly. Yeah. And everything, if you serve the higher purpose um, as a group, the group moves forward. Instead of having yeah. just one energy that's just kind of trying to to show itself off. Those are that's not the huge, yeah, those are not the <laughs> those are not the things that people remember. Yeah. They remember the the energy of the the whole the whole band or the whole cast. Yeah. You know, the the wow. movie is doing really well and it's it's picking up some awards. I'm not getting any best actor awards, but the movie is getting awards. Yeah. And boy is that like kind of a mind fuck. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, you want it you know, you want to shine, but then you go, Man, any award is great. You know? Yeah. Any award but is great. That's such a huge lesson I feel like in that and when I think about um, like you're saying, Brutal Realty Inc., your your movie that you're working right now. And then also just thinking about bands and bands that I've known, friends of mine and all that. If you had the mentality of not like, let me shine, but let's 
move the whole collective forward. Because, I mean, it, it's like a cliche that being in a band is like being married and then you're and ultimately going to get divorced and it's always going to be egos clashing and that stuff. But I think that mindset of uh, if you're able to do that, if you're able to humble yourself and not have yourself be the shining star of it and say what is best for the collective that's huge well i don't do it all the time let me let me say yeah i mean it's like once in a while i get that that um that kind of epiphany that it was like wow this is good for everybody and what's good for everybody is better than what's good for me yeah but man you you could talk to 100 people who know me and say that london is full of shit well no no but it's all about himself right but it's not you not not saying that that's something you live by all the time saying right that's something that we can all aspire to absolutely absolutely because none of us are capable of doing that i think that it's human nature to say me 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 yeah but but to but to be aware of it, like you said, having that moment of clarity from time to time and say, hey, let's apply that there. Shit, no one's capable of doing that all the time. If they were, they, I mean, even Gandhi wasn't, right. you know? So, but, but, uh, but, but, but bringing it back to um, the movie is the same thing. Like when you're, you're acting in those scenes, sometimes it's not necessarily going to be your scene, mm-hmm. but to be able to support whoever's moment it is right. is huge and and it's selfless to be able to do that to allow because each one of us wants to be like no let me be the you know and yeah we, letting somebody else shine yeah you know and lifting them up and giving them the foundation where they can do their best it's good for everything yeah it really making people feel that they can be genuine and authentic and yeah, I mean that's that's really my role. Hopefully, these days, more and more with music, you know, yeah. and certainly with acting, is that it's a uh, it's it is a team effort. Yeah, you know? cool. Well, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear through the music stuff, and then I really want to dive into the filmmaking process because for me, like that's what I do, and that's and oh, so, thanks, and, man. and not that I don't love music. I, right. I love music, but I want to hear about that journey for you from the music too. But then I want to really get into the filmmaking process because that's where I can nerd out. And but uh, but but so when you okay, so when you're in these smaller bands and. And, uh, and you started playing these shows in 10th grade, you're leaving and going to these other places. Like you say, I heard you say that some of your, your inspiration was the who, um, did it shift to like an Iron Maiden and, and like, uh, you know, did it shift to other bands at that time that started getting like heavier than just the rock? And then that's what sort of, cause you know what you said, 81, you started playing, I punk was like kind of the big thing like were you sex pistols and or like uh some yeah of i would say i was into i mean i went f- from listening to like bubblegum rock and the who to the clash yeah and the first u2 record okay um a lot of david bowie a lot of adam and the ants yeah and then i, I was skateboarding a lot um yeah. And yeah, I think you guys can all relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was skateboarding a lot. And of course, you meet a bunch of skaters and they start giving you cassette tapes. And they gave me a tape of like Black Flag and Minor Threat and The Misfits. Hell yeah. And it was fucking game over for listening to the radio. Yeah. It was all about listening to cassette tapes and hearing, I remember hearing Minor Threat for the first time 
and thinking they were from a different planet. And somebody said, no, they're from Washington. They're 60 minutes away. Damn. We can go see them. Yeah. You know, I remember going to see Minor Threat. Damn. In, in 81. You know, Minor yeah. Threat came to Baltimore in 81, you know. And I think it was 81 or 82. It might have been 82. Um, and anyway, uh, that is where my taste really shifted into um faster music and more aggressive music yeah and first time i heard the misfits yeah just blew my mind Hell like yeah. i went straight to like castle danzig and i've never left right you now <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah you know and just skateboarding and singing those songs <clears throat> um and then i started going to shows and seeing all these bands play yeah. And it was just being able to, you know, you'd see a picture in a magazine of, you know, a band playing at an arena, you know, and then you could actually listen to a record and go see a band and I could watch them as far away as we're speaking, yeah. you know, and I learned yeah. so much. My music um, classes were going to shows. Yeah. You know, I learned how to play by going to shows. Nice. Because I was going to ask, did that, did that start to influence the style that you were playing at that oh, point? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I just would sit as close to the stage as possible and watch the drummer. Yeah. Damn, that's awesome. Okay, so what led to, I mean, we all know that you were in Sam Hain. So what led to you connecting with Danzig and... and uh, like getting involved there like how did you meet him or what or well this the the story goes um and i get asked this a lot and i wish i had a, a new twist on it but <laughs> basically i was a really um annoying kid who got his phone number okay and under Damn. under the guise uh, i mean it's true i mean the reason i got his phone number is because i was legitimately putting on shows in baltimore yeah um i was 15 i think oh, you were like i was 15 or 16 booking shows booking shows oh, okay, okay booking slayer yeah oh, you damn. know booking okay. slayer Shit. um booking 45 grave uh booking the circle jerks booking hell yeah. most bands who came through baltimore in the early days i booked yeah um my this older dude that i hung out with he had a, a warehouse or he lived in this loft space and he was like yeah we can put on shows here you know it was in a downtown a rundown part of the of the city nobody fucked with us nice. and yeah we were kind of had this free reign to just if we could get bands to come through and we would bands would come and they'd play new york and they'd play dc but in the meantime they might have a couple days off where they had no shows and so yeah. we would get these bands we get tsol on a you know, on a, a Tuesday night, nice. you know, yeah. and they would play for the door. They'd play for whatever, you know, there wasn't this hard, fast, you know, guarantee and, you know, a rider and all that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff yeah. and you know, dressing rooms and shit. They were back then. It was great. Um, people were just happy to play, you know, instead of having an off night, you know, so yeah. they'd come and play Baltimore. And, uh, so I got connected through Glenn when they came, when the Misfits came to Baltimore, my first band, Trud, was supposed to open for them. The show never happened, but the Misfits came down anyway, um, and I got to I got to see the Misfits the week before and meet them, and then hang out when they came to Baltimore for that that show that 
didn't happen, yeah. uh, which is a tragedy. I still have the flyer from the show. <laughs> oh, and man. people showed up, but the, yeah. the, um, the guy who owned the warehouse never showed up. So there was That's no... why it didn't happen? Oh, damn. So we, about 30 kids and the Misfits and their van sat in front of this club all night. Ah, dude. Yeah, waiting for this guy to show up who never showed up. And so, and then there's a big, you know, there's a big chain on the yeah. door, so we couldn't get in. And yeah. so, cut a couple, the bolt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple yeah. people started, you know, trying to come up with different ideas of, of where else could we put the show on. And so we drove around Baltimore, like a caravan of us drove around Baltimore trying to find an alternative place to put the show on. Damn. And by like one o'clock in the morning, the Misfits were like, we're going home. Shit. You know. Damn, if you would have found a spot, that would have been like the most legendary it, show absolutely. that ever happened. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have the flyer and it's yeah. nice to have um, had that story. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm sure you talk with a lot of people and, and you've had these experiences. Sometimes it's the shows that didn't happen or it's the shows that nobody was at are the ones that people talk about the most. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, because that seems to kind of bring the community and the fans together more yeah. than just like, yeah, I saw them at the stadium, like right. s- with, uh, with 20,000 other people. Yeah. You know, do you remember all these little details about it? You know? Yeah. I remember the details about shows that I played where there was three people there more than I remember 3000 people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It becomes part of the legend. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And you yeah. just, because it's not so routine, you're picking up on lots of different things that are firing all these these synapses, you know, yeah. um, that I think make it make that mark on your on your memory a lot more for absolutely. not only in the band but also as a fan, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. So then, so when so you meet him there, and then uh, and then when time comes that he's he's doing another project, then, exactly. Then you, you became well. Then I or? then I had the then then my band Reptile House opened for Sam Hain a few times. Oh yeah. Oh okay. And so that I don't think Glenn really paid attention to us. Um but we wanted to get Sam Hain in Baltimore and so the guy who he kind of gave me his contacts. He was like, okay, here's the guy who would put on the Misfit show in Baltimore that never happened. Yeah, yeah. Glenn was like, I don't I prefer not to work with that guy anymore. Right. You know, if you want, (laughs) if you want us to ever come back to Baltimore, I'm going to need to work with somebody different. Yeah. And so (laughs) he kind of handed over the, um, uh, yeah, the reins of putting on shows in Baltimore. And, uh, he gave me his, his contact sheet and Glenn's number was on there. Oh yeah. Ooh. ooh, (laughs) And so, and I thought it would be kind of a simple transaction where I could just call him up and book a show, and that would have been great. But he was really set on challenging me as a promoter to actually guarantee him like a real chunk of money. Yeah, I get it though. Yeah, I mean, they came especially out. Yeah. they had been burned before. Yeah, you know, and the show that the Misfits had played in Baltimore the year before that, they played at this place called the Marble Bar. Um, a huge fight broke out. Oh, during yeah. the show and he he hadn't forgotten about that yeah like while they were playing i don't know for some reason there were some people there was real hostility against the misfits and i guess when they played in dc there were some problems because dc was very like purest hardcore and you know t-shirt and jeans okay. and skateboards and the misfits came on with all their outfits and their you know yeah. sort of razzmatazz yeah you know and that 
they they yeah uh, they that, had a they had a real time, they had a real so, fuck yeah. you attitude and um so they didn't jive well in dc and when they played baltimore for the first time jerry got hit in the face with a beer can with like a full can of beer oh, shit. you know yeah. and googie jumped from behind the drum set and started to fight with the guy and it just turned into a, a melee you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they had that experience and then they had the experience with the show not happening and so glenn was like i'm not coming to baltimore and i was like please come to baltimore i'm the new guy on the block yeah i love your band i love sam hain what can i do to make this happen and he's like i want 500 bucks yeah and back then that was like if you shit. inflation, if you looked at inflation, five hundred bucks, yeah. you know, for Baltimore was like fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. outrageous. Yeah, it yeah. was so outrageous. I was like, but it challenged me. I was like, wow, not make this weekend, yeah. not next weekend, but I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna make this happen. And so it gave me. So every couple months. I was able to call Glenn and say, I got an update for you. He'd be like, what? And I'd be like, we just had a show and I could give you 300. And he's like, no, 500. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm staying working on strong. it. I'm staying strong, <laughs> you know, and I would just, but I would just keep calling him. And, and why we talked about the show and about the guarantee and everything, you know, we, we would chat a bit, you yeah. know, and at one point I asked him for help on a term paper I was writing for high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 That's yeah, yeah. Awesome. So I, it's probably still at my house in Baltimore. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I but I um, I credit him as uh, as as a uh, lycanthropy expert. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did this term paper and I somehow involved werewolves in it. Yeah. And I was like, well, who was knows gonna... who knows more about werewolves than Glenn Danzig? Yeah. You so, know. Lycanthropy is... Is werewolves, is man turning into wolf. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And Damn, so, learned yeah, that. So lycanthropy yeah. is was the fancy term of like, I love werewolves. Yeah. Um, but to make it sound official, he was this, you know, <laughs> God, expert amazing. on lycanthropy. <laughs> and so he was happy to do it. And um, I got an A on the paper, which was rad. Yeah, you and better have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If God, if uh, if I only had that paper, I will look for it the next time at my my parents' house. Yeah. Um, and long story short, you know, I was able to bring them to Baltimore, you know, in 1985, and when I paid him, he was shocked. He looked yeah. at me like, "You really did it." Yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> I've, of course I did it. <laughs> pulled a lot you know? of strings. I pulled a lot of strings. I mean, we hustled and hustled and hustled. The venue changed. Um, and uh, it was it was a really great night, and I paid him. And then a couple months later, the Reptile House record came out, and I sent him a copy of it, and then I followed up with him. Did you, did you get the record? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got the record. I haven't heard it yet, but Steve left the band. Would you like to come up? you know, and try out. All right. And <laughs> I was like, sure. But I was, we were weeks away from leaving on the reptile house tour. Yeah. Which I had also booked. I booked, you know, from the payphone at high school in my, in the, in the lobby at my high school, I was able to book a U.S. tour. God, that's awesome. Um, Damn, I, that's co so I couldn't use my home phone because yeah. we were using these, 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 uh, stolen credit card numbers 
for the long distance. Oh yeah. So yeah. I was always told if you do it from home, they'll trace the call. Yeah, yeah. So I always move. had to make these calls from a payphone. Yeah. And so if somebody called back, you know, I'd be walking down the hallway in between, and I'd see the payphone ring, and I'd be like, "Don't pick it up. It's for me. It's for me." <laughs> and you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that that it would just be so simple to say, "All right, these calls are going to venues. Who's in a band in the in the high school?" get them oh my gosh (laughs) it It was was, but back then i feel like you had the freedom to to, you know like it wouldn't be so quick to get caught doing that but (sighs) damn paranoid every time and then and the numbers would expire you know you'd have you'd have like three or four numbers and you'd just every week one would would not would cancel it yeah would cancel it yeah yeah and so if somebody called me back it was on their dime so you didn't want to miss a call somebody calling you back yeah um damn that's so amazing yeah so i had like (laughs) between like 11 30 like lunch break was like 11 30 to like 12 15 and that was kind of like my my office time and it was right in front of the fucking principal's (laughs) office the one fucking payphone yeah and they'd always look out of the office and look at me and i'd be like i'd have a little notebook and i'd be like you know, school, hey, just, get just, some work done. just getting some work done. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, uh, and at that time, did you look like, like, where did you have long hair, punk rocks? No, no, no. I was in a, in a parochial boys. I went to a couple different high schools, um, just because of, it was tough. I mean, I got beat up a lot and I got threatened a lot yeah. for having like a mohawk, you yeah. know, and being punk rock and yeah. just being, you know, um, being a little punk kid, you yeah. know, was, was pretty rough in public schools. And then finally, um, the last two years of high school, I was able to transfer to this uh, uh, Catholic boys school out yeah. in the county which okay. was a lot safer i mean still like jocks and rednecks were out there but it wasn't um as crazy yeah i didn't feel like i was gonna get fucking knifed yeah right, you know right, right. i wasn't being chased by yeah, rednecks can get a little rough baltimore yeah yeah <laughs> and it was in the 80s it was you know i gotten jumped a couple times and i said i had gotten just the daily fucking threats of just walking home and people throwing yeah. shit at you yeah you know um so it was a reprieve to go to the school but i had to wear like a coat and tie yeah you know and shoes yeah and cut my hair my hair was dyed i don't know i think the last my senior year i had like this weird orange hair because i tried to like bleach it yeah you know with peroxide and it 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 doesn't fucking work yeah Yeah. i did not look like billy idol i look like a fucking fool you know i look like had a real i i do have a picture of me in high school and it just looks you know it looks ridiculous um and so i i went up that weekend and auditioned i took the train up i took this little suitcase like like a little old yeah. suitcase with some drum stuff in it and um and i don't know why like but i of all the shit that i took with me on that audition i took my drum throne like oh yeah like yeah. my little stool yeah. like there's gonna be a drum stool there but yeah. like i was like i need my drum throne yeah i don't know why yeah but i but like i lugged that up on a train <laughs> to new york that was probably a good look though when he saw he's like huh what the fuck yeah he came and he came and picked me up at at uh at grand central station and glenn picked me up in his in his uh in his mom's car um at grand central station um and uh then the next time i came up i took the bus and i got off on the wrong fucking stop oh shit and i ended up 
being so fucking far away and he came to like new brunswick to pick me up which is like an hour away because i had just been like i was so nervous i was like okay jersey is jersey i'll just get off at the first jersey stop jersey jersey Jersey. you know and it was like i was fucking so far away and i called him he's like he's like where are you i said i'm on like exit 2a and he's like i'm we're at exit 17a yeah you know they're like that's where lodi yeah, is yeah. and i'm like oh fuck you know he's like fine i'll come and get you and damn oh okay. yeah so he came and got me and um i did well enough at the audition that they they offered me the the job and then i came home and i told my band and they were uh so bummed out you know cuz that had been something i'd been doing for years and this was yeah um so Sam Hain was like, you were going to have to not go on that tour. No, I did the tour. Glenn actually uh, pushed me to do the tour. Okay, cool. He's like, you set the tour up. You should do it. You made a commitment to your friends. You made a commitment to the band. That's what we do. Yeah, You yeah. stick to your, awesome. you, 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 um, you know, you keep your promises. Yeah. You know, I, awesome. I want you to go on that tour. I want you to go on that tour and it'll make you better for our band. Yeah. If you already have that under your under your belt yeah i think he knew it was gonna suck <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. i needed to have that i needed to really you know Feel roll that. around yeah. in the dirt before i could kind of um come and hang out with them yeah, you know, yeah. he wanted me to have that experience so i thought that was uh that's awesome yeah that yeah. was that was kind of him yeah you know and i would send him little um postcards from the road like yeah. don't forget about me you know i'll be home in three weeks and i mean i think I moved up to New Jersey within a month of coming home from that Reptile House tour. Oh, wow. Okay. And I lived with him for a while until I got my own place. Yeah. And then did you, then you, did you guys record and start recording? Immediately. Immediately. No, immediately started working on that record. I mean, it was, I don't think that we played, I think I played a couple old songs at the, audition but as soon as i came back from tour it was working on new stuff and we would um he played all the instruments you know or or he would show us what he wanted us to do on on the you know on guitar damien this is what you do and eerie this is how the bass goes and london here's how the drums go yeah and he would show us our parts and we would kind of muddle through it and then we would go and record yeah and it was uh it was so fast and the turnover between rehearsing the song and recording was was hours yeah and um i would scribble notes down and i didn't understand the structure of the songs i didn't understand his timing um because we weren't hearing songs in their you know entirety entirety and 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 quite i mean like we knew it starts here and it ends here and there's some changes in between, but I had come from a band that had worked stuff out through jamming for months. I mean, right. we only had 10 or 12 songs after three years. Yeah. And this was doing a song, one or two songs a day, Damn. you know, with Sam Hain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you listen to November Coming Fire, it's, it's, pretty unusual i mean if you're into punk rock and hardcore and rock and roll um i mean i was really into sam Hain, but i never really thought about how weird some of the strong structures were and how the how the the stances and the measures go you know and so i would just count by cymbal crashes i just go one two 
three, four, five, roll and change. And then he'd give me the thumbs up and I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I love just watching your face because you're like, It really uh, was, are you sure? And he'd be like, that's right. And Man. then he'd be like, and you're going to play this beat and you're going to wait for the guitar and then you're going to change to that beat. And I'd just be sitting there just going, okay, I'm playing the beat. When is the guitar going to change? When is the, Oh, that's the guitar change. And sometimes I'd catch it and sometimes I wouldn't oh, yeah. because I wasn't, you know, the way he was counting was not the way that I was used to. Right. You know, now it's only with experience. I mean, he had been writing his own songs, you know, since since the early to mid 70s. So right. he had a very intuitive way of writing, you know. Yeah. I mean, put it this way. Try to learn a misfit song. You think it's easy. Try to learn a Ramon song. You go, it's easy. It's just this, that, and the other thing. And then you really break it down and you play it the way it's supposed to be played. It's a little tricky. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's pretty amazing that like he knew exactly what he wanted and, and trusted that in himself that this is what I want. And then everybody's sort of confused. But then as you learn it and get it, then you're like, then it clicks. It didn't click for a while. It didn't click until I finally heard a couple rough mixes of the entire songs. Once he sang on the song, I yeah. understood, oh, okay, that's why we're playing it this length. Because yeah. he's writing with lyrics in mind as well. Yeah. And it's like the change is going to come on this line, but without the line, without his lyrics, yeah. you, you're kind of anticipating something that you can't hear. Yeah, so you know? it's an awkward timing. It's an awkward yeah. timing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think I was talking to somebody else about this recently, how it was stressful and it wasn't, um, it seemed unorthodox, but maybe and this is another way that I'll get twisted and I'll go like well that's not my best drumming it's totally not my best drumming but there was something about that environment that created performances that people still talk about yeah because it did have this kind of uneasiness to it and I was never comfortable playing those songs and maybe that gives the whole thing this kind of weird lurchy energy yeah. that is that kind of bubbles a little bit instead of everybody like yeah I got this you know oh, oh yeah exactly. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah tasty fills it's none of that tasty, tasty you know what I'm saying like when everybody like in the groove yeah, tasty yeah nobody was in the groove nobody was feeling it we were all just kind of yeah. like trying not to like get yelled at yeah that's awesome but so it creates yeah. a certain but vibe an energy an yeah, energy like attention, attention yeah. Yeah. that translates way better than me like playing my you know tasty my fills. tasty fills yeah you know <laughs> nobody was interested in that yeah. you know and so whenever i go back to those songs you know when we've we've done these reunions i always try to like put some tasty fills in there you know and he's always like stop that shit yeah 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 no yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and i just i get fills. transported right back like pew right back to 17 and yeah. being like, there is only one way to play this stuff, and it's yeah. the way that you played it when you were 17, yep. and it is just going to sound rough and and caveman and primitive, but that's the way it works. Yeah. Stop trying to like show that you're a better drummer, because nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody that's, cares. That's so huge, too, because I, I would think that um, about, like, my my friend's band, CKY, they, like, I would uh, tour with them a lot and be on the road with them, and then I would, you know, I'd be hearing some of the rough mixes of things when they're making new songs, and I, personally, I would be like, keep it like that. Don't make <laughs> it, don't, like... Like, you know, make it really polished and all that. Like, and as it would get more polished, I'm like, I don't like it as much as I right. liked it when it was like raw like that. 
And there's some level because I think in the beginning, their songs were very raw. And then they started to get more polished because they became better musicians right. as the time went. And it was like, and, and, and I still like the, the, the newer stuff, but then... But for some reason, that rawness was like, yeah, that's the fucking gritty feeling that you're looking for. And it would just, yeah, the more polished part. So I, I, I totally could relate to, to, as a listener, to, to what that's like to go, no, nah, I like that rawness. I, yeah. don't, I don't want it to be all tasty fills in there, you know? We want that rawness of it. So, yeah, and yeah. I, would, I really, you know, had to come to terms with, like, that's not what... I have to serve the song. Right. And serving the song is regressing to a point of just, you know, playing primitively, um, you know, and really just, uh, you know, I said, just trying to like transport back to those days. That's what the songs need. They don't need me, you know, 35 years later, I'm a little better drummer. Let me show you my licks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, he would just look at me and just be like, <laughs> And I would just be like, I, I get it. I understand. Yep. Never doing that again. Yep. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Let me show you what I know. Yeah. No, I got okay. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got it. I'll, I'll take that note. Thank you. Yeah, that's funny. So, okay. So then, so you, uh, in the musical part of the journey, part of this, um, you, you also play with Tiger Army and, and uh, did other stuff like that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And other bands. And, and uh, I mean, you had a long career as a drummer with with multiple bands right so um so like what what was that like what was like kind of the touring process like in terms of with all of it like did you were you on the road for a large part of life uh not as much as you would think okay um because i would either do a tour with a band and then not and then leave the band for one reason or another i it was not my goal in life to play with so many bands. I, yeah, would, yeah. I would have preferred to have just been in one band, you know, my whole life. Yeah. Um, that just wasn't, that's just not how it worked out, you know. Is, is that like, when you think like playing in a band for your life, is that, let me ask, and if this is not the right thing to ask, but like, is that looking back because... Did you at some point feel like like when you started playing with Sam Hand was the thought like this might last for a weekend you know what I mean like what like do you know what I mean did you at that point in time did you have a thought like oh I want to do this forever or was it yeah like, I every, oh, you every band okay. yeah every band yeah I wanted to do it forever yeah every band I wanted to like do you know ten records with and tour and just yeah. that would be my stable band okay um. But, I just wondered because I've heard I've sometimes heard some musicians go, we never thought that would last. <laughs> like we thought. I mean, I don't. I, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, when I think of playing in a band, I think like that's my commitment and that's where I want to stick with and that's what I want to do. And yeah, then things yeah. change from that uh, from that attitude. I mean, I look back and I can't believe that we're still talking about some of these bands. It yeah. blows my mind. I didn't think that they would have the uh, impact that they did. Yeah, yeah. I just strictly did things because I liked them, you know, the whether or not way, yeah. anybody else did. I wasn't, you know, whether they would be popular. I um, was only interested in pleasing my my inner, you know, uh, 
my soul you know yeah. i wanted to only play stuff that i was into i feel like that's the best way i feel like that's what leads to good things i mean i like i personally did the cky videos before jackass and then jackass and then viva la bam and that and as like you know and not the trash viva la bam but as it became more produced and more this like bubblegummy thing that mtv wanted like it was not nearly as fun as cky was cky's videos were so fun for me because it was like this is hilarious to me and this is hilarious to my friends not not oh this is what we think that the lawyer thinks is okay right. so that we can whatever you know like so i think there is something to be said for just staying true to yourself and doing that because that's what works the best that's what people enjoy is going yo you're staying true to what you want to do and then the minute like you know yeah Holly, the minute it gets co-opted and, and the minute it starts to kind of get yeah. get diluted it can try you know sort of thing yeah so um so that i mean that's really awesome so you so you stay true to what it is and you're playing what you're psyched on and it just kind of led to this long yeah career. and i i would i would love to have had longer stints in in most of these bands some times I wish I had shorter stints in these bands you know I mean sometimes it was a job that I yeah. enjoyed but you know it's you know it's usually personalities it's usually personalities that um can be challenging challenging yeah. maybe the way that I was raised um being you know I'm usually the youngest guy in the band I'm usually the new guy in the band mm -hmm. you know and yeah, and that's a that's weird tough. Dynamic. That's yeah. always going to be kind of a hey, hey a, guys, an take it vandal. easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah. you're always yeah, yeah. you know you don't get the inside jokes, and you're not yeah. um, uh, you're you're kind of uh, what's the word hazed a bit. Yeah, for you sure. know. Yeah, and you know, I think at some point, um, you know, I can't figure it out. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, and I'm. I'm playing in bands right now and uh i still love it but i'm still as frustrated and <laughs> it's just it never ends it yeah. never ends but like you said maybe some of that's that good kind of anxious energy that helps i think performance i really think the records that that people still talk about are records that i made uh, records that people still talk about that I made are records that were done with a certain amount of tension. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because that creates a, a, a different kind of energy, you know? Yeah. And I think either I get to the point where I go, the tension's not worth it, or they get to the point where they go, the tension's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, sure. we just want to like have a good time and play our songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go on tour and just you know and yeah. i'm just the kind of personality who's always you know is never quite comfortable and i always want to push myself or push, yeah. push a band um or practice more and i'm just you know yeah. i'm not a good time guy i'm a work guy yeah and I, and I can relate to that too because there is some level of that being needed because if it's just this good time thing all that then nothing gets accomplished yeah really. or it gets accomplished yeah. but it's just not it doesn't quite have the teeth on it yeah you know so so you're you're still playing actively yeah and and doing that but but what led you like because because when you were young you were doing the acting stuff and you said like when you found music you kind of went full bore into mm -hmm. the music so what led you to get back into the acting like wh what like at what point were you just like you know what i kind of want to find this other outlet like how did that sort of take place 
Well, in 2010, I auditioned just by a fluke for this Ron Howard show. Um, These, uh, yeah, these girls at work were like, hey, they're looking for, um, for somebody to fit this role. You'd be great in it. And I was like, oh, sure. Um, I I think I, I think I sent a letter in and they said, yeah, we'd like to meet you. And I came back to work and I was like, hey, they fucking wrote me back. (laughs) They want to meet me. And they were like, wow, you should really do this. And I was like like they're gonna pick me you know it was like so it was like for for fun for fun and i just had never thought about it you know um you know i'd done videos with bands um you know maybe a little bit things here and there but i never really thought about you know acting as like really getting seriously back into it but anyway i did end up getting cast in this ron howard show oh wow um and i thought i sucked and i didn't get uh, you know, things had changed in 35 years as far as acting <laughs> yeah, goes, yeah. you know, and I was really felt, I walked in very confident, like I've got a little bit of experience, I've been in a band, yeah, you know, yeah, I know how yeah. these things go, and they were sticking cameras in my face, and I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow, and I felt really, um, you know, I, I really got humbled really quick, okay. you know, um, and then they cast the show I did the pilot and then they cast the show and they didn't ask me back okay I did did not get cast in the in the actual show yeah um and I was like wow I kind of liked that but I know that I'm really I need a lot of work and so I went back to acting school and then once I got into acting school I was like whoa oh I remember this this feels this feels good this feels um you know, it feels natural. I, I got a lot of work to do, yeah. but it definitely started to kind of fire the, you know, the neurons and stuff. Um, and I think that there was, you know, and I'm always just looking to stay busy. I'm like a, like a really nervous shark. Like I have to stay moving and I have to yeah. do stuff, you know, yeah, as really, much as I yeah. cannot wait. I don't know about you, but I love my downtime. But a couple hours into downtime, I start to get my brain starts to get going, and I'm like, "Get up and do some shit, or you're going to like just you're going to bore a fucking hole into this couch." You know, (laughs) you you think you want to sit back and like watch some movies and read some books and catch up on some shit. You're not going to get anything done because you're just going to spin. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's like uh, just like a ball of energy, and then I need to recharge. And then if I stay too long on the recharge, then it's a problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you doing this podcast, you yeah. guys here doing this, you yeah. know, I understand it's, you know, I, I cannot wait to do shit like this because I know it's a reprieve from the fucking peanut gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Get, I gotta get out of that. I gotta get out of that and to do stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, and to, you know, the my best, the best takeaway is just meeting fucking people. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, absolutely. And That's what's been so rad about this, just getting to sit down with you and hear your story too. And and each story that I get to hear sitting with people, it's like, man, it's it's just, it's like, it's amazing because Rick and I walk away from it every time going, damn, that was a fun day. Who knew that we were going to learn about ice baths, you know, or who knew we were going to learn how to play <laughs> play drums or who, who, you know, like it's all those kind of cool things that are exciting to sit down with people. So, so 
you basically got bit by the acting bug again. Yeah. And then like when you, I do, I kind of wanted to hear. So with that, you did, you, you did an audition and then they called you back or yeah, they, or I you did a couple met? auditions. Okay. I did a couple auditions and then, I mean, now the crazy thing is now that I'm really in it, yeah. you know, and I go to auditions all the time and I don't get the job. Yeah. The fact that I got a fucking job out of the fucking gate. That's what I'm is thinking. Unfucking real. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was fu- and they paid me and it was just um it was shot down at this this prison, uh, this maximum security prison down in in, in Palm Desert and stuff and yeah. it was just it was wicked and I thought it was but you know, it's also really really um spoiled me because I thought, well, I'm in. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I got yeah. an agent. Yeah. You know, and I had all this stuff going on and like the phone really didn't ring. You know, yeah. I mean, I got little bits and parts here and there. It's kind of like when you're the new kid on the block, I definitely felt that now that I'm not the new kid on the block, I'm passed over, which is, yeah. I understand that. But when I was the new guy with the way that I look, I seemed to book all the time. Yeah. You know, and yeah. now. I I made Brutal Realty to stay busy. Yeah. I made Brutal Realty just like I made a punk records. I got my friends together and I said, we got no money, but we got a great song or a great script. Yeah. We got some great energy here. Why don't we put on a show? Why don't we make a movie? Yeah. And that's... And that's how brutal realty happened. And that's awesome because I, I feel like uh, there. I feel like in this day and age, it is sort of punk rock in, in a sense. Uh, I have other friends that are actors too, and they'll be like trudging through this audition process. And I kept thinking, like, dude, why don't you just like film it yourself? I have a camera. We have this. We have that. Like, just do it instead of like waiting hey, for somebody you else. Me. You know, it's like, how do you ever get the practice if you're not just out doing it? And then I go and watch your your movie and it's it's freaking hilarious, man. And and like gory and all the things together, but it was so funny and I'm like, yeah, if if you just sat around and didn't do that, then I wouldn't have gotten to enjoy watching that. You know, like well, thanks, like, man. like I feel like it, it would be a bummer to think that you don't like it, it's awesome that you're a self-starter that you go up and just do it because so much creative stuff would not be see the light of day if you just sat back and listened to the person that was like you know what we're good we don't need you whatever you know like i feel like that would just stop you from you know moving forward and doing the next thing and and, and just it's it's rad to just get up and do it yourself well thanks man i think it 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 comes from that um you know that punk rock ethic of we feel strongly about something and we want to share it with people and we're not going to wait for a record company to call we're not going to wait for the big club in town to book us we're going to put out our own record we're going to put our own show on yeah and you you take a big risk because it's all your time and it's all your investment um and it's a roll of the dice. It was a roll of the dice when I was in 10th grade. And I booked, oh, who was it? It was like Fang or something. And somebody knocked over the fucking soundboard. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was working at Taco Bell and I had to pay for the soundboard, you know? And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. oh my God, you How know? How long would that take? It to took pay forever. That yeah. But then Slayer came to town okay. and I booked Slayer. And you know what Slayer did? 
I brought them a fucking box of money from the show. It was the biggest show we'd ever had in Baltimore at that oh, time. Damn, yeah. Bought them a box of money. I'll never fucking forget. Fucking Tom took two stacks of money and he gave me the rest. Damn. And he said, that's for you. What? And I was like, oh, it's, he's it's, awesome. it's all for you. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's, it's, it's all for you. This is what we made. Yeah. And he's like, well, what did you make? And I'm like, I'd never make money on shows. Yeah. And he's like, well, tonight you did. Damn. And I took that money and I put it back into the PA and we had to get like some improvements done on the club to get it to pass fire code, you know? Dude, that's And I just amazing. think of that. And when I, I remember when I when I talked to uh, to Carrie and and Tom like I don't know maybe maybe ten years ago and I mentioned it to him and I was like guys, you did something you know that changed my life and changed you know the scene in Baltimore, and he's like I don't remember that at all. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I I never I forgot do. it. I <laughs> yeah. never forgot it. You yeah, know. And that, so that was that's um, really cool. But you don't expect that, you know. Yeah. And that's the fact that that we're talking about the movie and that it's doing really well is a, a shock, you know, because we were cracking up. I didn't know that you'd crack up. Yeah. You know, no, dude. or like we yeah. would play a certain kind of music that we were like, well, we enjoy this. I don't know if anybody else will. <laughs> yeah. And then people are like, yeah, that rules. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know? man. Well, and I don't, I, I, I don't know what I can give away, but there's, there's, there's few moments throughout where like that, like the one, I was literally wiping away tears from laughing so hard that like, I, I don't know if I could say the dove part, but the, the, the what part? The dove part. Oh, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was just, we just made that Can shit Can I talk up. about it or no? Or, um, or wait on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't give it away, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I will tell you that, that <laughs> we, we shot that. I mean, in one day, we had <laughs> one like, day of shooting yeah. where we had I did like, not see it coming and that's we had, was We so had good. dogs, we had yeah. doves, we had children yeah we had blood like everything that they say don't ever do yeah you know unless you've got a huge cast you know a yeah. big budget you know and and an open timeline don't fuck with any of this yeah. stuff because if it goes south it's gonna ruin the day yeah and we got really really lucky um <laughs> Dude, but so we good. brought two of yeah. everything yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. didn't bring two kids but we had two dogs yeah we had two birds yeah because the one first bird did yeah. not uh yeah, 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 you know yeah, yeah, did not yeah, participate yes um yeah he, <laughs> but, he had an attitude the first bird had so, an attitude yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many levels of that part that like i i i can't break it down now you got to wait to see it and when you see it but there was so many levels for me there was like 20 reasons why i was dying laughing in that moment and uh and, and it just is so good but you're saying that you made that for nothing yeah uh like, I want to say we made it, you know, out of my pocket and Eric's pocket. We oh, paid wow. for everything. Dude, it looks awesome. And, well, thank and you. You guys did a great thank you. job. A lot like, of favors. On, on basically shoestring budget. Yeah. Like, a lot of favors yeah. and a lot of, um, you know, it really goes back to the, the strength of the script. Kind of like a good song. Yeah. You know, if you have a good song, you're going to, it's, it's attractive, mm -hmm. you know, and all we had to put the cast and crew together was that a 12 page script that yeah. this kid, this 19 year old kid named Joseph Mueller had written for us. Oh wow. 
and that was just you know it was it was magic and it was when people's you know i knew what people's day rates were yeah. you know we knew how much it cost to rent this shit yeah and they would be like well you know have fun with your little job but this is this is my rate and i'd be like well would you read this first yeah yeah <laughs> and they would read it and they'd be like all right yeah you know let's let's make this happen if so much of it was done um by luck i mean we used i i made all the props i did the makeup damn okay. um damn that my, was a bunch of yeah, yeah my sister came on as the uh associate producer and just worked her ass off yeah um I mean, I can't tell you just how fortunate we got. And, but I think it all created the the energy about that film is we had one, you know, I mean, maybe four or five shooting days. And when you would, you would get somebody, once, once you got somebody hooked on the script, you'd be like, hey, do you know any bars we could shoot at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like, well, let me ask around. And you just kind of spiderweb out from that, yeah. from that idea. Um, and, uh, and you can make shit happen. I mean, I wouldn't, um, now when we move on to the feature, you know, I want to make sure people are paid, uh, appropriately because people really did, um, you know, uh, work, work within our budget. And we're so grateful because the movie does look very, very high quality and we're, uh, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, and, and uh, first I wanted to say that it's 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 such a testament to what the script is and what the project is because um, myself, you know, I, I work uh, in, in in camera on a bunch of different things. Sometimes bigger scripted shows, sometimes reality type shows, and things like that. And and you know, from from time to time, I'll come across some projects that are less than desirable. And so it's funny because that's what I do for a living. But then if something fun like that comes along, like I, I myself, I'm willing to go out and do and work on it for free to help out just because it's exciting, because it's it's something interesting. It's it's fun. It's creative. And it, it's all that. And and sometimes at work, you don't necessarily get that. So it's really cool to see that, like the creative community come together to help everybody to for for the the greater good kind of feel for a project that they're excited about, you know, and, and that that there's a lot to be said for that, for the script being good, like well, hey, we'll we'll give our efforts to that. You know, the day rates are high and all that on their normal stuff, but on something that you're excited about, hey, we're willing to put that in, put it in the swing. Yeah, everybody way. wants to be part of of something cool. Yeah, and um, I mean, not everybody, but it was nice to see people respond to it. And I really that the the indie film community is really punk rock. Yeah, you know, like if I wanted to put together a band. Um, and go make a record. I don't think I'd be able to go to a, like a recording studio and just be like, "Hey, we've got some good songs. Would you give us a good rate?" They might knock off like you know, they might give you a bro deal, but still, it wouldn't be that much. Yeah. But this indie film community, and especially the horror community, is like, boom! They 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 change all the rules if they're into it. Yeah. You know, it's very punk rock, and yeah. it's really nice to 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 find a new tribe of people who do work because they love it, you know, more than, more than the music community these days. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think the music community is, 
you know, is is kind of corporate in a way. But the indie filmmaking uh, scene, as I'm sure you you know, is like it's still really bloodthirsty for great content and people are still like yeah let's make this happen yeah i gotta stay all night sure yeah what do we got to do whereas you know if you had hired a you know a horn section they'd be like "Mm, actually uh we're we're three minutes over so but we're not finished yeah well that's not our problem should have managed the time better (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly but you know when you're making stuff like this people are like yeah yeah you know whatever let's, let's build that done. shit let's yeah. get it done yeah you know yeah there is that mentality and that is cool you know that is that is what's really neat about that community so um when you completed the process and you and you completed the edit and all that then you entered it into some some uh film fest yeah like yeah we 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 submitted it to i guess about you know, we did our research. We don't have money. When you submit it to a film festival, you have to pay an entry fee. Yeah. And so instead of going to, you know, Sundance and um, Tribeca and, you know, all these big fancy ones that I just knew, that's not our audience. Yeah. You know, we really did our research, looked at hundreds of movie festivals. I mean, there's a movie festival, um, you know, in every neighborhood village state country you name it all over the world uh but we really you know really hand-picked i mean just out of economics we could not submit to every film festival out there it's just they would bankrupt us you know yeah i mean that's another part of filmmaking as you understand it's like once the film's done as a producer as you know before as an actor once i wrapped i was wrapped yeah i never heard you know I mean, they might let me know that the film's done or there's a premiere or whatever, this and that and the other thing. But I really was not included in, you know, a lot of this, the, the stuff afterwards. Um, and so when me and Eric produced this film, which is the first time either of us have done it, the amount of time and money that goes in afterwards is twice as much than the making of the, of the project. Yeah. Now, kind of like recording a song what do you do with it well you, people are going to hear it or if you paint a picture you've got to put a frame on it yep. you got to get a gallery you got to put it on the wall then you got to invite people yeah. you're like well i'm just the artist i just paint it's like well then it's going to fucking sit on a shelf right you know to really get it out there like you would a band you got to take it on tour um we've taken the movie around to chicago and new york it's played new york twice um it's won three awards so far and awesome. we've got Hell yeah. another dozen film festivals coming up this fall, nice. you know, all over the yeah. world. And it, it seems to resonate with people. And I think more than just your basic horror, black metal, comedy, horror, real estate movie. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's I think people are. are kind of digging a little deeper on it which is really gratifying because there yeah. is so much subtext about um about bullying and about workplace depression and about yeah there's it covers dreaming so many, big yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah. it's and i i really i didn't play it that way it just that's it was written that way yeah. and that connected with me i didn't know how i had met this this kid who had wrote the script, I'd met him a couple times, but it's like, how did you know me? How did you know that yeah. I am that lonely, innocent, you know, angry kid? 
you know, yeah. who just dreams of, of, of doing something different. How do how do you know that he just kind of got lucky and I got lucky with it. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's always funny to me to see somebody like, see like the darker, like summoner person, like, but then have like these deep thoughts and feelings, you know, like, and, and like, and be not just that rah, like there's always, there's, there's also like, like I said, like underlying subtext and things that are being presented in there that make you think more about, you know? Yeah. You want, you want him to succeed, but it's really funny when he doesn't, Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and I can really relate to just trying different stuff. I mean, the amount of things, you know, for the, for the five things or 10 things that people remember about me, you know, or will be remembered about me, there's 50 things, 500 things actually that yeah. like really went down in flames. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, I think about that stuff and I just go, God, if they only knew how yeah. many times that I tripped over my own fucking feet, yeah. you know, or fuck something up or tried and failed, you know, whether it's tap dancing, you know I mean? Like all these things, I just go, I'm going to be a tap dancer. Yeah. I'm going to be a scuba diver. All these <laughs> things, it just didn't work out. And I think the summoner is, um, you know, I play into it, it. It plays into me. I don't play into it. It plays into me. Yeah. No, that's right. So then, okay. So then what is the process now of getting the budget, the funding for making this full length? Cause you said you were going to, yeah. it's going to be turned into a full length. Yeah. Right feature. after, right after our first film festival in Chicago, um, I was in contact with a movie studio, um, and they were interested in hearing more about the full-length feature because the the thing that is um, the the common response, which is blowing my mind, is that everybody who sees it goes, "Well, what's next? I yeah. want to see more of that guy." Yeah, what's he going to do next? You know, how does this play out? Um, and and we kind of knew that, like when we started to kind of edit the film together we're kind of like wow this is this kind of this is kind of working you know yeah. and at the end of the movie there's a little stinger um that that was kind of our challenge to ourselves that like hey we're gonna put this at the end of the movie after if, when if you go through all the way through the credits there's a little stinger at the end yeah and that is to um was kind of to encourage us, like, don't leave it here. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave it here. There's right. more stories to be told. There's more. There's a there's a bigger summoner universe than what you see in this little 15 minute film. And once we included that in the film, we were like, okay, now we really have to do stuff. We really have to to see about either doing another short ourselves, doing a full length movie. Um, we had Joseph. The, the writer of the short, we had him working on the full-length script before the movie was out, before okay. the short was out. We're like, I think this is going to take off. You should probably have a script ready to go. Yeah, because I was actually just going to ask the that. script. <laughs> the, as soon as they asked for the script, yeah. boom, yeah. here's the script. Yeah, And they awesome. were like... So, so it's done. Like, that, that script is done. Okay, We awesome. planned this yeah. as a dream, as a dream, as if, if you do a seven-inch record and you go... We got a couple good songs, but if people like this, they're going to want an album. Right. So instead of just sitting and playing these three songs, why don't we, why don't we write that album just in case, just in case we want to yeah. be ready. And boy, I pushed everybody. I was like, guys, if somebody 
is interested, we better be ready to jump. The first festival I went to, I had a lookbook and I had the script. Oh, nice. And I was like, anybody said, hey, this was pretty good. What else you got? Boom. Yeah. Here's what we got. Yeah. And they were like, wow, you're you're fucking, you're confident. (laughs) You're ready. And I'm ready. You know what I mean? Like you got to strike while the iron's hot because people just, you know, immediately immediately go into something else. Like this day more than this yeah. day is more than that. Yeah, if like, people are so distracted yeah. and they're just like, I need a movie today. What you got? Great. Let's green like that. Yeah. Hold you on, know? I'll get it in a week. Yeah, like, nope, uh, it's London done. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. I had to stay in people's faces and I had to have something ready to go. And so that's how we, um, you know, we uh, when we we played in New York and the next day we spent all day in this little bed in. Uh, Airbnb, like working with this new producer awesome. about how to, you know. So we've got this guy named Josh Goldblum, who's the um, he's the curator of the Cinepocalypse Film Festival in Chicago, and he's a he's a mover and a shaker. And we brought him on to to produce the film with us yeah. because you know everybody has their strengths, absolutely. You yeah. know, and it's like we knew that we needed somebody um, who was qualified. To the business aspect, to do the yeah, business yeah, aspect yeah, yeah, yeah. of it exactly, to work with the financing, to work with these yeah. companies that you have relationships with. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got relationships with casting, with the creative side, yeah, the, yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the casting and the creative side. Eric Basio, the director, is the technical guy. Yep, you know yeah. that is it's you know he handles that stuff, um, and Joseph is the writer, and then with a business guy, it's like a. It's like a band where you've got like four people who have different superpowers. Yeah. You know, and each person brings something that is necessary. Um, I mean, there's there's probably other spots that will need to be filled out as well. Yeah. But, you know, this was we had the script, we had the lookbook um, and we had Eric and a couple and me. And then we quickly had some people get some some star power actors get attached to it nice and that is what drove the whole thing to the next level which is uh getting funding which is what we're actually today um on the east coast there's a meeting going on nice uh yeah in a couple hours cool which is yeah, um, <laughs> I'm glad we're yeah. I'm glad we're doing this today because otherwise I'd be freaking the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad this really is very nice to like not take your mind off it. Take yeah. my mind off it because you know at a certain point, I mean you understand things are going to go the way that they're going to yeah, go. Just let it go. You know, and as much as it's a fairy tale that things are moving so fast and this is all going to get fast tracked and we're going to be shooting, you know, by December. Right, right. Come on. Yeah, that's maybe <laughs> it's rare. Maybe but it's it, yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but in the meantime, I, you know, I try to keep everybody pumped up. I try to, you know, yeah. to keep. Yeah, exactly. Stay you positive know, about. Stay about positive about forward, it. And but there's yeah. things that are out of my hands. You right. know. Yeah. And I have to stay um, focused on the the minutia of my daily stuff. You yeah. know, which is. Yeah, that's good. I that's one thing. Uh, I, I struggle with, you know, and, and just in program stuff, but like talking to sponsor about like, uh, so how do I just let it go? <laughs> Cause I always want to go, I'll figure it out instead of just going, here it is. It's going to be what there's, it is. You know, you know, there's so much stuff that's just out of your control yeah. and you know, I'm not great at it. This is another thing that I'm, that I'm, I'm yeah. working on is to, 
um, realize that no, it's letting go of expectations. Do yeah. the work, but yep. man, the expectations, you just have to step aside. Yep. There's a million <laughs> reasons why something doesn't happen and you can't take it personally and it's not because you're not good. Right, yeah. And, and those, I think, those are the two things yeah. that I immediately go to because those are what I'm programmed from being, you know, a, uh, as a kid. Yeah, you know? and, and I think, like, when, when you're doing something creative, you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position. And then, you know, you can easily be open to, like, Oh, it means I'm not good. It's like, it doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you just happen to not be in the right spot at the right time. And this person isn't doing this and doing this. Now, there are some cases where maybe like, you know, when we go try and do this drum thing, you'll see I'm not good. So I probably shouldn't follow that. But well, but, never, yeah. you know, I didn't start out. I mean, God, you know, listen to the first track on my record. You go, you shouldn't. You know what? You should you should try something else. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will never tell somebody not to pursue yeah. something because you're not natural at it. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. natural at at anything either. It just yeah. takes, you know, what is that? Ten thousand hours to be an yeah. expert. It takes yeah. me twenty thousand hours. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's just yeah. to be decent. That's just to not to get laughed out of a room. You yeah, know? I mean, I, there's no magic to it in my life except hard work and i mean my hands are trash you know i mean i still <laughs> yeah. practice Just going after you know i still the amount of effort that i put into like a one-line audition you would just be like really yeah that's that's kind of overkill yeah and i'm like and i didn't get it yeah and you'd be like wow what a waste of time and i'll be <laughs> like but there's something about it if you yeah. go and you're you're not great at something but you got a little kick out of it did something for you there's plenty yeah. of stuff that i try that i'm not good at that just doesn't excite me either oh yeah you well, know then, yeah. like i wanted to ride horses so fucking bad i want to be a cowboy yeah and i got a gig at medieval times riding a horse yeah i was the king at medieval times and i thought <laughs> this is my new job and i'm gonna learn how to ride horses and i love horses and i love animals and so exciting and i can just think of my future of booking all these these cowboy movies these yeah, Western yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. you know? You're already way out there. And man, I can't fucking ride a horse. <laughs> it just doesn't Shit. work for me, yeah. you know? And I tried so hard and it just didn't work for me. And um, and led to many embarrassing performances. <laughs> Real, I mean, you're in front of a thousand people and you, oh, you cannot fucking get your horse to, to fucking cooperate. Um, but there are other things that I do that I'm not good at that I still go, I still like that. Yeah. I still like something about it seems like the, the door is cracked and there are other things that just go, man, the door's never going to open. Yeah. You, you're, you're just, you're just not the guy for that. Yeah. You know, so don't give up just cause you're not good at something. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm proof that that, that never stopped me. Yeah. No, know? that's awesome. I, I was thinking one time I heard, um, that guy, Mark Cuban or whatever, that, uh, billionaire guy that owns the, Dallas Mavericks he said this thing that was it, it always stuck with me he said don't follow your dreams follow your efforts yeah and that was like oh it's so simply put but it's like if you just have this pipe dream out there that you never did anything towards how's that ever going to come true but if you put the effort in of playing drums over and over and over if you put the effort in of, of doing acting for your one line audition you put that effort you keep doing that effort eventually things pay off with that effort 
you know, yeah. it's like, and eventually like that effort will, well, if it doesn't pay off, at least you get a little better. Yeah. 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 You know, at least I know 60% of the time that I did a good job instead yeah. of always being, you know, I got to please myself. I got to know that they didn't like it. It wasn't because I fucked up. I just wasn't the right guy for it. Yeah. You know, right, instead yeah. of just being like, well, I kind of kind of botched it. I haven't botched anything in 20 years. I might not be the right guy for the gig and I might not get the gig, but it's not because, you, you know, prepared. I was sloppy or not prepared yeah. or I didn't get enough sleep. It's like I always come in guns blazing and that gives me... I sleep okay at night, you yeah. know, with that, knowing yeah. that I did my best. Yeah. If I didn't get it, fuck them. Right. You know, wasn't the right guy for it, but it wasn't because I was like, you know, they don't sit there and go, God, you know, he was great, but he's a fuck up. Yeah. You know, he didn't really put the effort, he didn't really put the effort yeah. into it. They yeah. just go, you know, I don't get stuff or stuff doesn't happen for me, not because, um, I don't know, the, the, the better way to phrase it is... I know that I've done a good job. Yeah. It may not be the right. It's not right, for lack I mean, of it trying. Might, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. for lack of trying. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and that is my, that is the where the effort comes in. Yeah. You know, it's not the dream of being a movie star. It's the dream of putting good effort in to like doing something that I enjoy and I enjoy acting. I'm going to try to like, you know, be great at it. Yeah. I think I'm great. Eh, that's not true. I don't, I don't think I'm fucking great. It's, that's that's terrible to say. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Or it's not terrible to say. It's just a lie to say. I think I'm I think I'm okay, and I think I get better. Yeah, yeah. But I also think I'm more aware of like my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, you know, I like that. I I can't I can go out and play some like a little jazzy stuff on the drums, you know, yeah. and you'll be like, oh, that's okay. You know, yeah. it's kind of jazzy, yeah. you know, but get a <laughs> real jazz feel. guy. There's yeah, a tasty feel. <laughs> get a real jazz guy and you fucking blow me away. Oh yeah. But yeah. what I'm good at, that's, that's what I should just kind of stick to. And yeah. as far as my range in drumming and my range in acting, you know, it used to be like, wow, I want to be this like full circle actor and drummer where I'm just good at everything. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't have five lifetimes to to get good in everything. I've got right. one lifetime, and I've like these are the these are the roles that you know um, that seem to suit me, and these yeah. are the bands that seem to suit me. Anything else, you know, I'm yeah. probably setting myself up for a lot of struggle. Yeah, exactly. Like knowing your strengths and yeah. and the weaknesses, and and like they they said something. Basically, it's like better to be good at, at one specific thing than being the jack of all trades. Because yeah. then you're sort of at a halfway decent at it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you can't be. Uh, my acting teacher told me this. She's like, you can't just be good. You can't just be great. You have to be exceptional. Yeah. Exceptional. And that blew my mind because I'm like, hey, I'm doing good. That's what I kind of meant about the great thing. Hey, yeah, I did yeah. a great audition. And she's like, well, were you exceptional? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, um, I she's, guess. Like, she's like, the exceptional person got it. Yeah. You know, oh, damn. because, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, shit. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. wow. That was a, you know, that was a wake up call. You yeah. know, is there's so much competition out here, you know, um, but also, you know, I want to say with you is that like, 
as much as I say, like, you know, I'm good at these couple things, it's like you also kind of don't know what you're good at until you actually are forced into a, a different, you yeah. know, a different role, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah. if, if, you know, me at, at my age feeling old and slow and then joining a black metal band and playing blast beats, playing faster than I ever did yeah. was something that was like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Oh, I can do it. Oh shit! Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. shit! It took me, it took me so much effort and practice, but but I could do it. Doing comedy, yeah, is not what I'm known for at all. You know, I am not known for doing yeah. comedy. I'm I'm you know I'm known for being the bad guy or being the creepy corner. I'm yeah you know not known for being funny. But um, when the opportunity presents itself, I say yes because yeah. you never know. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you right. got to, you got to swing. You got to take yeah. a swing at that, and and you do you do find like okay, that's not my thing. But sometimes you go, oh, yeah. And sometimes like that that darker, serious person in comedic situations is what's so hilarious. Like that, like with the Sumner guy, it's like this hell guy, and then he's in these situations that are just awkward and hilarious it makes it funnier yeah somebody said that you know it was like deadpan and i was like deadpan what's how do i even and i was it's just he has no self-realization yeah he's like i'm awesome yeah yeah you know and and, and he doesn't realize that he's so out of his league he has no idea what he's doing (laughs) and it, it it wasn't like i was intentionally playing it a certain way it just was like yeah. He's trying his best. Like if I go out and try to play jazz, I'm <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. try to do this kind of jazz affectation. You know, yeah. Summoner was kind of, uh, it seems like his, his brain was developed on TV and like podcasts and commercials and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. As were most of us kind of learn how to, you know, assimilate into society in different roles is yeah. by like what we see on TV. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think of like, because I, I love that kind of humor with Leslie Nielsen, like in... Oh, in, the f- Naked know. Gun. Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, just it's great. It, but he's dead serious in these situations and so awful at it. And it, and that is what's so funny. That, and, you know, that's <laughs> terrific. Yeah, and, and that's kind I of was, like what's going on with the Sumner is like, he, he's like, he's behind the groove. Like everyone is kind of aware more than he is <laughs> that he just not meant to be in this situation. But he's going for it anyway. Like, you know, being a Sumner and being a real estate agent is kind of like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you know? he's, he's a he's a bull in a china shop. Yeah. But he doesn't realize he's got these big fucking horns and he's knocking over <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, in his in his heart of hearts, well, doesn't he, he does have a heart. He doesn't have a soul. He doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in his, you know, I think deep down he he thinks that helping people will make him happy. Yeah will will cure him of this loneliness and this um uh this rut that he's in yeah. it's like putting people in houses makes them happy i I've, I've seen it on tv you yeah, know yeah, i mean yeah. this this is how i imagine you know his thought process is wow that's something you know i'm so self-absorbed as this this black metal drummer you know yeah. what could i do to Oh, how about I help people? I mean, you've heard that in the program. You know, yeah. you want to get out of yourself, speak to speak to someone else. Yeah. Find yeah, out what's others. going on in yeah. somebody else. Help others, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, you know, it's all kind of a metaphor for like, wow, when I'm really in a rut, what have I, 
ever been told, what wisdom I've ever been told is to like go out and be of service. Yeah, so so then okay, so the big the big next step is meeting today. Yeah. Get the funding. Let's get this thing into feature length. Are you going to like release that short or is that going to stay kind of held until you build, you know, until you get funding for the feature length and then like Will people be able to see that short or is Well, that... right now it's exclusively at festivals. Okay. Um, and hopefully uh, the cast and crew hasn't even seen it. Okay. It's only oh, been, so I am, you uh... are very, very <laughs> exclusive. Yeah, the cast and crew hasn't even seen it. There's been a lot of, uh, you know why the cast and crew hasn't seen it is because if you show it to them and then you do a premiere, they won't show up. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so you really want, you know, we want a packed house. So we yeah. really have been very tight with, and I hope you'll show up. Yeah. Um, but um, so we've been pretty tight with it. And then it goes back into like the festival season, which is next month. Okay. You know, the next screening that we have is at the Sin City Film Festival in Las Vegas, oh, which nice, is in September. Nice. And then... Hopefully, uh, there'll be an LA festival for us, and then there's a couple things that really pop like worldwide, like okay. more towards Halloween, of course, for the yeah, horror stuff. Perfect. And so, in, until then, we've we've kept it under wraps. Uh, we did get an offer to immediately put it on a streaming service, um, yeah. but we don't want to we don't want to spoil it that way. I mean, it's really great that you enjoyed it watching it. Um, by yourself on your computer at home but yeah i've seen it twice in a theater yeah and it's it's fun. it's really fucking yeah. great yeah that it's, would be it's a lot really fun fucking be. great because i was cracking up on myself but but even when other people are laughing it creates more of this good environment and atmosphere yeah. to do that and i get to go to the festivals um and i go in character yeah you know i wear the the corpse paint and i go as the summoner oh, and i introduce yeah. the film and i do a little <laughs> bit of stand-up and i have a little really routine good. yeah um and it really gets people revved up and then i get to like interact you know with yeah. everybody as the summoner and um it just it's a little sideshow it's yeah. a little that's a lot of fun yeah, yeah it's yeah. but i really go back to what stokes me out yeah you know cool is a, is a bored guy doing a you know a bored uh quiet guy doing a q a and talking about um you know the lenses that he used or a really wild performance um you know by a character from the film yeah you know and like i just you got you don't have a lot of time these days to fucking make an impression so go big yeah, and so when when the movie plays, the summoner is there, and he <laughs> just yeah. fucking yeah, that's is right. yelling and screaming and falling over shit, and it's like the Three Stooges, you know. Yeah, um, oh, dude, I love it, yeah. and the audience has to love that. Too. Yeah, well, it it seems to have. I mean, that seems to have really lit the fuse on all this stuff. Yeah, because I'm there to talk about the movie. Yeah, you know? hell yeah. So is, do you do you have a uh, site that they could see like what film festivals it'll be in? Yeah, they can go um, to brutalrealtyfilm.com. Okay. And that's the official website and you can see the trailer. We do yeah. have the, tra the trailer is out. People yeah. can see the trailer. Too. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. trailer's out and also uh, Brutal Realty Film on Facebook and then Instagram and Twitter and then they can always look London May up on any of the social media stuff because yeah i mean i know 
gosh, uh, people just must be so done with brutal royalty because it's like every day there's something new coming out with the movie and it's just yeah. like this endless chain of brutal realty stuff but <laughs> well i'll keep that chain well, going i'll well, put some links you. on yeah. there when well, we, uh, it's, when we it's put this just up. you know i hate to i hate to keep beating people over the head about it but yeah if people don't know that it's playing in their town i i did this interview with a guy in brooklyn uh, a couple of weeks ago and he's like well when is your movie playing playing Brooklyn and I was like we played Brooklyn twice yeah he's like I didn't know and I'm like well that's the reason why I got it I really got it yeah you know I really got to get out there and tell because if people yeah. want to see it and people seem excited to see it is that it's probably going to play close to them but it's going to be at one of these film festivals and the chance for them to go and see other cool stuff you know, is also, it's kind of like, well, come for us, but stay for the other stuff too. Yeah. Because they're going to see some other wicked stuff. I've seen some great stuff at festivals this year. Nice. Awesome. Well, dude, thanks for coming on the Bathroom Break podcast. Thank you so and, much for having uh, me. It's I can't been wait terrific. to see the full length version. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks very much. Good stuff.